You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. When we ask God to help us in our work and commit to Him what we are doing, He will cause our plans to succeed. Discover more about this truth in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Okay, uh, we have started a brand new series actually last week entitled TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. Can we just say that with me? Thank God it's Monday. All right, we're going to talk about work. Thank God it's Monday. Last week we talked about the God who works. And so I'm going to try to tie up both weeks, uh, last week and today. So we're going to have not really a longer preaching this morning, but at least a summary of last week. And so just to give us an overview of our series, uh, we are trying to uh, achieve this. At the end of this series, our people will understand that work is a blessing. Everybody say a blessing. That is a blessing from God, reflecting His character and nature, and should be enjoyed through faithfulness and hard work. Now, how many of you are thankful to God for your work? Honestly, can you please raise your hand? Great, okay? That's great to hear. I mean, great to see. How many of you normally, when you go to, the, to your office, like for example, tomorrow you're going to drive to the office, you're going to work, maybe you're a business person, or maybe you're an employee, but when you get to work, you would actually say these words, thank God, it's Monday. How many of you normally say that? Come on, please raise your hand. <laughs> we normally say, thank God, it's Friday because we're looking forward to the weekend. Some people actually are looking forward to the weekend as they're about to start the work on Monday. And may, may, maybe many would say, you know, how I wish that weekend is here already or how I wish that Friday would be here already. Thus, we hear the terms, thank God it's Friday or TGIF. Or there's a song that came out, I think, in the 80s, Manic Monday. Okay, I'm not, for other young people, you don't even know that. But, you know, people are not really excited about going to work on Monday. But in reality, how many of you know that work is a gift? We're called to work. It's not part of the curse. When sometimes we misunderstand that maybe work is a curse, that's why it's called hard work. How many of you know that hard work is not really part of the curse? Hard work is more of an attitude towards work. Yes, work has been made difficult because of the fall, but work was given to us by God before the fall of Adam and Eve. God gave Adam and Eve work in the garden in Genesis chapter 2, and the fall actually happened in Genesis chapter 3. So if you look at work, whatever work you're doing, I believe that we're going to clarify today that it is a blessing from God. Whether you're doing, you know, uh, manual work or maybe something, you know, maybe a professional, you may be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, it is a blessing from the Lord. So we want to take a look at how God views work and how we should see work as well. That somehow God is the first worker. So I'd like us all to stand up. We're going to go ahead and dive and read the text this morning. We're going to read from Proverbs chapter 16, just two verses this morning. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. We're going to do a review of last week. Verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. I pray, God, that you would give us a divine wisdom and revelation to know you better and the purpose why you've called us to work. Thank you, Lord. That, Lord, may we celebrate and may we be grateful 
to whatever it is that you've given to us. Whether we're an accountant, whether we're uh, an employee in a call center, whether we're a business person, whether we're a student or a housewife, we thank you, Lord God, that there is such a place that we can actually rejoice and be productive and be faithful in the work that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right, just to give us a quick recap, last week we talked about God being the first worker. You know, the title of our series last week or title of our message last week was The God Who Works. And that somehow God was the one who started work. He was the first worker. You would notice that in Genesis chapter 1, even before Genesis 2, when God placed Adam to work in the garden, God was the one working. He was busy working. He was the one who created the heavens and the earth. How many of you know that is work? And the Bible describes that as he worked from, you know, first to the sixth day, or on the seventh day after he finished his work, he rested. And we're going to talk about Sabbath after this series. How many of you enjoy, normally you enjoy your Sabbath, or you enjoy your rest? I hope that you do have a day of rest. That is a command of God, but, you know, that's going to be another topic after this series. But just so that we will see that God did not stop working. Yes, he started work, he gave us work. But even until today, He is working. How many of you know that God is still working until today? He is not resting. He is not just sitting on a throne ruling and reigning, but actually part of His authority and part of His rulership is that He is working. He is working in our lives. He is working in the universe. He is working many times behind the scenes. And I believe that through the Holy Spirit, we see God's working in us. Now we see that, you know, some scriptures, just to give us a, just a quick review, how God worked. Of course, we know that God worked in the creation. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 16, it says the tablets were the what? The work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. He did not write, he did not ask the angels to write the tablets for him, but he himself, with his own finger, wrote the Ten Commandments. In uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and, we, and some of you have memorized this verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That we know that many times, whether good or bad, we know that God is working behind the scenes. How many of you know if you're called by God, God is working on your behalf? Are we here this morning? You know, you may have a challenge this morning or you may have actually some problems or difficulty, but I, be, I believe that God is working on our behalf. You know, uh, we know that in all things, God works for the good. It's going to be good for us. Tell the person beside you, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You, you may actually see something negative ahead of you, but if you submit yourself to God, if you commit your ways to God, God is working something, I don't want to say magical, but powerful. In our lives, amen. He's working behind the scenes for those of us who are called according to His purpose. In John chapter 4, verse 34, we see that even Jesus, when He was here on earth, He was called to work. And He said, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to what? To accomplish His work. He was, you know, His eyes were set for one goal and one goal only, and that was to go to the cross. And when he went to the cross 2,000 years ago, he basically fulfilled the work of God, you know, in our lives by purchasing us because of the, you know, the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Basically, our sins are forgiven if we put our trust in him. Amen. So we, we know that Jesus worked. In fact, it is interesting that when he came here, 
he came as a carpenter. He could have been born as a, you know, as a doctor like Luke, uh, the apostle, or, you know, uh, you know, like uh, maybe uh, the Apostle Paul, like an attorney, but God actually sovereignly chose Jesus to become to be born as a carpenter in the household of Mary and Joseph, thus just saying to us or giving us a picture that there is honor and dignity in any kind of work. That even if you have a work that requires manual labor, that there's dignity and honor in that particular work. Amen. Because Jesus himself worked manually, or, you know, with labor, with, with his own hands, before he was called to ministry at the age of 30, and then went to the cross at the age of 33. John chapter 9, verse 4, he said, I must work the works of my Father, he says, the one who sent me, I must do his work. Jesus espoused the idea on, on work. He celebrated work. And He set an example for His people how to work. Even the Holy Spirit is constantly working with us and in us. You know, when Jesus went to heaven, He basically gave us the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. How many of you have the Spirit of God in you? You know, the Spirit of God is in us. You know, if we are born again, if we are saved, if we are Christians, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives in us and He is busy working in us, sanctifying us. How many of you are still work in progress? We are still a construction site before the Lord. We're not done yet. The Holy Spirit is busy sanctifying us. Yes, the, the work of Christ on the cross is done. The justification process is finished. You know, if you are to, you know, die today, and if you put your faith in the Lord, I believe that you'll go straight to heaven. How many of you believe that? Because of the finished work of Christ. When God sees us, you are a holy person. You're justified. What it means is you're, you know, justified means justified never sin. There's a purity and a holiness that Jesus achieved on the cross. That was His finished work. That's why He said, it is finished. My work is done on the cross. But while we're still here on earth, the Holy Spirit is still working in us and sanctifying us and changing us for the better. How many of you are glad if you're married that, you're, that the Holy Spirit is still working on your spouse? So you don't have to be depressed like what Pastor Ryan is saying, right? Sometimes you get depressed. Lord, ito na ba talaga to? You know, this is my lot in life. You know, actually, the Holy Spirit is still working in us. Amen. And that's good news. Everybody say, good news. God's not done with me yet. He's still working in me. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So here we see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit worked and is working. Still working in us today. God started work. He was the initiator of work. He was the one who gave us work. Not only did God start work, He set standards for work. So these were my two points last week. Basically, very quickly, God started work. And secondly, God what? God has a standard for work. There's a level of excellence when you talk about, you know, God working. And God is also expecting us to do the same. We were created in His image and likeness. Amen. 
And because of God's Spirit in us, the level of excellence we need to reflect in our work need to be honorable to God. You know, if people are watching your work, will they actually glorify God because of your work? Or will they say, hmm, do it again? You know, is, is that you know, what we have? Is it a re- reflection? Genesis 1 verse 3 says, talks about the standard of God, how excellent God is. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was what? Very good. And then there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. You know, think about this for a moment. How many of you appreciate the beautiful earth we live in today? I mean, if you look at the beauty of God's creation and to think that it's post-fall, it's after man's sin. You know, it, you know, the Garden of Eden was a perfect paradise. There's no, no presence of sin, you know, no rebellion there, no disobedience. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Thus God said, it is good. It is very good. He saw His creation and he, and he celebrated. He was satisfied. He was fulfilled. How many of you know that every time you work, there ought to be some satisfaction and fulfillment in your work if you've done a great job? Amen? You know, if you've, done, if you've given your heart to your work, I believe that will bring you satisfaction and fulfillment. But imagine with me for a moment, you know, I'm sure if you've traveled in different parts of the Philippines or maybe around the world, you will see God's hand in His creation. Just to give you a a small glimpse of how creative and how excellent our God is. There's actually a green beach in Hawaii. A pink beach in the Bahamas. How colorful and how magnificent His creativity. He doesn't scrimp on His creation. There's the black beach in New Zealand. There's a purple beach in the U.S. There's a red beach in Greece. If you've been to Italy, they said there's an orange beach in Italy. There's even a rainbow beach in Australia. But my favorite beach of all is the powdery white sand beach of Boracay. It's so fine, it's so powdery, it's so, you know, that... Even if you stand under the heat of the sun, you won't even feel the heat on your feet because of the fineness of the, pow- of, of the sand. And that's how amazing our God is. You know, God started work. He placed a standard on work. Thus, we need to, you know, uh, reflect the glory of God in our work. Today, we're going to talk about work that works. All right? Work that works. Many times we have an unhealthy view of work. You know, some of the unhealthy views of work is, you know, I'm not serving full God full time. You know, we feel that the pastors or someone in the clergy is closer to God when he works. But in reality, all works are holy. There's not even a, a, a delineation of the sacred and the secular. I believe all work, everybody say all work. All work is sacred. Even if you're working in a bank, that is a sacred work. Even if you're working in BIR, that is a sacred work. 
We've got to change our idea that there is a bad kind of work and a good kind of work. Of course, if you're a drug dealer, that is not a sacred kind of work. We know that. There's a legitimate work coming from the Lord, and there is a work that is not coming from the Lord. But I'm talking about regular work. Many times we have this idea of dualism that we put more value in work that requires more thinking and requires more education. Sometimes we value people who are educated and, you know, doctors and dentists and uh, professionals. Many times we celebrate them over people who are actually just working as farmers or as carpenters or those doing manual labor because we think that there is more value. That's That's why probably the reason why they get more paid is because of the value put on them by society. But in the eyes of God, both kind of work are honorable. Are we here this morning? So whether your job is doing strategic planning or maybe help you know, manage the IT system in a company or you're a janitor in your firm, both work. Basically, it's honorable. Many times we think that if you're in the pulpit or maybe if you're in front, like a public speaker, you have a better value over a person who just washes the dishes. You know, we're called to serve Him. Anything we do that points to God is sacred. Anything. What is your work? You may actually be a housewife. And you may find out, you know, what, what's my worth? You know, I'm not earning, but in the eyes of God, that work is actually worth, you know, it's, it's worth, you know, a lot. You know, you're holy, you're sacred. That's a divine calling. The job of a pastor to shepherd his flock is as sacred as the job of a parent teaching his children. There's no difference. The job of a youth pastor teaching the youth is as sacred as the job of a high school teacher teaching those kids in high school. There's no difference. Both are sacred in the eyes of God. Another idea or mindset is I just have an ordinary job. Many times we look at our job and the reason why we don't come to our work thankful is because, you know, I'm bored here. You know, I I have an ordinary job. I could be doing something better or maybe I should be something else. And how many of you sometimes feel that way? Don't even raise your hand. And it's, it's fine for us to dream. It's okay for us to have some ambition. How many of you are praying for a promotion? Please raise your hand. You know, God is the one who promotes. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. But I believe we're talking about the work that we have now. Everybody say now. With the work that we have now, we ought to be faithful and we ought to be excellent. You know, there's no small roles, only small actors. I believe in any role or any job description that God has given to us, God is calling us to make that work extraordinary. There's really no ordinary work. You can actually make it extraordinary. You know, I see this, uh, you know, this uh, policeman or traffic aide in BF, you know, as, you know, when I was still living in BF. And the way he does traffic, you know, I, I'm, maybe for those of you who live in BF, for those of you who've seen this, uh, in President Avenue, sometimes he's uh, on President on Corner Elizalte, he enjoys his work when he would actually, you know, he, it's not just a job for them, it's not just... 
You know, but you know, he does it excellently. You know, he actually moves like that. You know, he actually moves with a groove. Can you imagine that? He treats his work extraordinary. It may look ordinary in the naked eye, but for him, this is my job, and I love my work. And I'm going to make the best of it. In fact, I, I heard right now that in some uh, municipalities, they actually teach their policemen how to move already. And how to, you know, how to dance, you know. Anyway, God does not just want us to do holy things, but God wants us to be holy. God called us to be holy people. Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you touch, becomes holy before the Lord. Another mindset is, I'm not as successful as you are. Sometimes we compare ourselves with the success of another. The reason why many times people don't want to go to high school reunion is because I don't want to see my old classmates because I'm not as successful as they are. But guess whatever it is that you're doing, it's not about your success that matters. It's about faithfulness. God is not really calling us just to be successful. God is calling us to be faithful in what we are doing. We see the parable when God uh, welcomed the, the servant. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well done, good and successful servant. Enter into the joy. You know, it's faithfulness. Faithfulness moves the heart of God. And God is calling us to be faithful in everything that we're doing. And so, today we're going to look at, you know, three. what is the work that works? It is a work from God, both blessing and a command. You know, God has given us work. Whatever it is that you're doing, it is from God. Everybody say, from God. Secondly, we are looking at working for God. That You know, when you are working, it's actually a form of worship. You know, when you're working, you're not just working for a boss. You're not working for the board of directors. You're not just working for a client. Ultimately, your audience is God Himself. And you're working for Him, ultimately. And it's a form of worship unto Him. Thirdly, it's working with God. We don't have to work alone. Sometimes we feel we're alone in our department or we're alone in our company. Guess what? God is working with us. And if the presence of God is with us, how many of you know that success is at hand? Amen. That's, you know, we see examples in the Old Testament like Joseph. Uh, you know, when, when God blessed him because he was, you know, though he was a slave, God blessed him. David. We see, you know, different examples in the, in the Bible about that. First, let's talk about work from God. Work comes from God in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Can we read this uh, statement or this verse all together out loud? One, two, three. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You know, he, you know it's just a review. Basically, God was the one who started work. He first worked in the garden and he placed man in the garden. Work comes from God. It is a blessing from the Lord. It is not a curse. It is not part of a curse. In fact, it is a command. The more we work, the more productive we are, the more fulfilled we will be. We have a, you know, we have a sensing of productivity and fulfillment every time we have 
work. It is a blessing. We were created to work. In fact, the second thing about this is not only is it a blessing, it is also a command. Everybody say a command. You know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, of course, the, we know that the fourth commandment is about the Sabbath. But if you look at it closely, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and 9, it says, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So he's talking about the Sabbath. The command there, the highlighted command is, keep the Sabbath holy because I want you to spend time with me. God is a relational God. It's not just about doing nothing. We're going to talk about the Sabbath in a couple of weeks. But Sabbath really means a time alone so that we can actually be refreshed and recover and actually have time with God. But then part of the command is in verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You know, we see here that part of God's command is the value of work. You know, God sees work with a high value, not with a low value. He actually saw it as very important that He line it up with the Ten Commandments. It's part of that. In the mix, part of the mix is the value, looking at work as a command coming from God. We've got to value work. Everybody say, I need to value my work. You know, value whatever work you're doing. Now, I hope that we are grateful to God for our work. Whatever work we have, I, I pray that we will be thankful to the Lord. Lord, thank you for my work. My prayer is that tomorrow when you go to the office, when you hit your desk, you would actually say, Lord, thank God. It's Monday. Thank you, Lord, for my boss, even if he's like a beast. Thank you, Lord, for my co-employees, you know, even if they're gossiping about me. Lord, thank you for all this thing because it's a blessing from you. My prayer is that we, get, we got to enjoy the work and we need to appreciate and put on a new lens that, Lord, thank you so much for the work that you have given to me because I am blessed that I have a job. You know, as, I, as we were researching, there are actually worse jobs in the world. I mean, if you see this, you're going to be grateful for your work. Excuse me for this, okay? We're going to have lunch. But, you know, these are real jobs. You know, can you imagine? What if your job is actually a poop catcher? Can you imagine? You're there in the zoo and your job is you're going to wait for the elephants to go and poop and you're going to catch their poop. What a job, right? Excuse me for this next one. What if your job is part of the medical research trying to trying to determine different kinds of body odor in order to determine the chemical to be used for a certain formula. I mean, how many of you would volunteer for this kind of a job? Now, how many of you are thankful to the Lord for your job now? There's such a job. And they're being paid big time for this. Of course. After a while, you're actually going to lose your you know, sense of smell. Or what about this job? Cleaning out sewage. It's a real job. You know, we found this cartoon, you know, I've got the worst job in the world, a toothbrush. And then the toilet paper says, really? So just think about that, okay? But anyway, let's move on, okay? I, my point is this. I hope that we are thankful to God for the work that He has given to us. Amen. Come on now. God has blessed us. 
And we got to have a new lens, a new perspective with our work. Second is we, we are called to work for God. Not only is work from God, we're called to work for God. You know, there's one audience that I'm interested to look at my work. And it's not Pastor Steve. It's not Pastor Manny or Pastor Joey. It's God Himself. At the end of our life, we're going to present everything before God. And everything will be tested by fire. And the thing is, are we going to survive with that test? Yes, it's not talking about salvation. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about our work. We're talking about our good work, the work of our hands. It's actually a form of worship. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with what? All your heart as working for the Lord, not men. Yes, you may think that maybe God's not you know, seeing me, or maybe God's not noticing me, or my boss is not seeing me. But the, the reality is God sees you. You may be working in the same department for 10 years and there's no promotion. Guess what? Just hang in there. You're not working for men. You're working for the Lord because work is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. You know, do things excellently. If you're called to be a pancake flipper in IHOP, do the best pancakes that you can actually do. That, you know, even if no one sees you, you know, make it the best round pancakes and fluffy, especially if we're there, okay? You know, round and fluffy pancakes. Even if you're not being seen, you know, you gotta just do it excellently. And there's gonna be an art. Even if there's no one seeing, looking at you, work at it. That when the angels would pass by, they would notice your work and they would stop and say, look at those pancakes. They're excellent. Do this as working for the Lord, not man. Because our work is actually an act of worship. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Let's look at it again. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The work here, if you look at the Hebrew, it really means worship. It means worship. You know, in, in, the, in the garden of Eden, we will never see man have a time of worship unto the Lord. When God brought man out of Egypt, the goal of God was to bring them to the mountain in order for them to worship Him in the mountain. But why is it that in the garden we will not see any reference of God demanding man or wanting man to worship? Why is that? It's because all the time they've been worshiping the Lord. They've been worshiping God through their work. And we would see that, that work in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 comes from the Hebrew word, abad. Everybody say abad. Or abad. Okay? Which means to serve, to keep, to cultivate, and to worship. In other words, work is really a form of worship unto God. So next time you work, may it be a time of worship. You know, Disney have a vision statement that they tell the employees. Basically, it's a simple vision statement. It's to make people happy. Make everybody happy. You know, why is it that when you enter the gates of Disney, whether it's in Hong Kong Disneyland or whatever, in LA, you know, from the guards to the people in the monorail, they're welcoming, they're smiling, everybody's fun, everybody's smiling because their goal is one thing and one thing only. It's to make you happy. 
It's to make people happy in the park. If you have a need, I'm going to make you happy. I'm going to go out of my way to make you happy. Is it possible for us that every single day that our vision statement should be this, to make God happy? That even if I'm working as a CEO in my company, yes, I am busy planning and I'm busy hiring employees. My ultimate goal is not to make money. My ultimate goal is to make God happy. If I am a janitor in that same firm, my, my goal is not to sweep all the floors in that building, but my ultimate goal is to make God happy. Whether you're a housewife in, the, in your home, or whether someone who's working in the call center, you know, working late at, late at night, do things excellently as you, you know, receive those calls. Even if the person on the other line is shouting at you and says, I hate your product. And here you are, you're on the other line, you want to make God happy, you want to make this customer happy. All you can do is say, yes, ma'am, God bless you. Or whatever, I don't know how, you, I don't know how your training is. But you got to make God happy with your work. You know, there's a story of this carpenter who wanted to retire already. For 40 years, he'd been working for this contractor and for this boss. And he said, boss, it's time for me to retire. I've been faithful in working with you for 40 years. And the boss saw his faithfulness for the past 40 years. And the boss basically said, I just want you to do one last project before you retire. I want you to build me a house. And I want you to make it an excellent house. So the Carpenter basically said, okay, I'm going to build you a house. So the boss entrusted him with a certain budget. He worked on that house. But he was thinking, you know, my boss has been a shrewd guy, you know, many years. It's always him, him, him. Let me just use substandard materials. I'm going to cut my, you know, I'm going to cut my labor here. I'm going to do some shortcuts in this room. I'm going to do this shortcuts, this plumbing area. And then basically he finished the work. And then one day after finishing the task, he said to his boss, boss, I'm done. I'm ready to retire. And the boss said to him, okay, give me the key because I'm going to give you this house as a reward for your faithfulness in your work for working for me for 40 years. This is your house. He could have actually worked at that house excellently had he known that that house was his. I mean, there's a difference when we start thinking if we now own something, we will actually treat that thing excellently because that is my house. Guess what? This job of yours is your job because you're working not only for God, but you're also working for your father who is the CEO of the company. You got to work it as a form of worship unto the Lord. My last point is this. We can work with God. Work is from God. We're called to work for God as a form of worship. And we're also called to work with God. We read this earlier, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You know, to commit means to roll in. To commit something to the Lord is to roll in into the hand of God. It's similar to the picture of the tomb of Jesus when, he, when the tomb uh, stone was rolled in or rolled out. To, to commit something to the Lord is to roll in something. To establish, when God says establish, it's putting a firm foundation in security. I believe if you commit your work to the Lord, God's going to make your work firm. Amen. To withstand all the shakings in this time. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
A few more verses, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 13. It says that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in his toil. This is a gift from God. Basically, when you talk about work, work is a gift. It is the gift of God for us that we need to enjoy. You know, if you receive a gift from your birthday or, you know, because of your birthday, I believe that the giver wants you to enjoy that gift. God wants us to enjoy this gift of work that He's given to us. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept His lot and to rejoice in His toil, this is the gift of God. For He will not much remember the days of His life because God keeps Him occupied with joy in His heart. That is work. But there's a balance to work, by the way. Yes, God has called us to work, but God is not calling us to be a workaholic. God calls us to work six days, and on the seventh, we rest. We spend time with God. We spend time with our family. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Psalm 127, verse 1 to 2, talks about God partnering with us in our work. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives to His beloved sleep. How many of you need more sleep and rest? There is the promise of God. While we are sleeping, God is working on our behalf. He is our partner. You don't have to feel alone in your company. You don't have to feel alone in your work. You know, sometimes you feel like you're at the end of, your, you know, of the road. You don't know what to do. You know, for example, if you're doing something creative, Lord, well, Anna, it's, it's done. You know, I've given everything I can. If you tap into the Spirit of God, He will give you a fresh anointing and a fresh creativity. That's our God. We are not just working as if we're earning money. The whole goal of work is not to earn a living. It is just the byproduct of work. I hope that we will clarify that the whole goal of work is not just to make money. It's an outcome of your work. I hope you do make money. But the whole goal of work is really to give it back to the Lord as an act of worship, as an act of honor, and whatever it is that pleases God, God blesses it. And guess what? He will make us successful anyway. So the, the goal and the motive is reversed. It's not about just making money. Because if you come into your work just to make money, the moment you hit a bump, you're going to change jobs. And you're not going to be satisfied anymore. And you're going to grumble and you're going to complain the moment you have bumps. And there's bumps on the road in the business or in your job. But ultimately, it's not about just making money. It's about us honoring God and worshiping Him through our work. There's a story of, and I'm, I'm almost done, a story of um, an American fast food chain. Uh, if you've been to uh, the U.S., you probably tried Chick-fil-A. It's one of the best chicken sandwiches there is. I've, I've actually tasted it. And, and uh, Truett Cathy is the CEO and one of their practices in their company is they're actually closed on Sundays. 
when it's the biggest sale for most of the fast food chains in the country and around the world, Chick-fil-A chooses to close on Sunday because they declare that Sunday is Sabbath unto the Lord. And this is what he said. I was not so committed to financial success that I was willing to abandon my principles and priorities. One of the most visible examples of this is our decision to close on Sunday. Our decision to close on Sunday was our way of honoring God and of directing our attention to things that mattered more than our business. In fact, one of the Chick-fil-A said, he said that on an unparalleled record of for 40 consecutive years of sales increases with its core uh, freestanding restaurant achieving higher sales per unit in six days over other companies who would sell in the same days. God basically would take care of the sales of their six days to compensate for the lost sale for Sunday. How many of you know that God can actually do that for your business? Amen. Come on now. If we choose, if we choose to honor God, God will bless us. It's not a question. God has, you know, God has no problem blessing His people. The Bible says, He is the one. Deuteronomy 8, Remember the Lord your God, for He gives you the ability to produce wealth, to confirm the covenant that He made with us and our forefathers. Another quote from George Cathy says, It is when we stop doing our best work that our enthusiasm for the job wanes. We must motivate ourselves to do our very best and by our example, lead others to do their best as well. My main point as I close, I'd like to ask the worship team to join me here on stage, is we work to honor God. We work to honor God. Ultimately, that is the goal. We were designed to honor God. We were designed to work, but the goal of work is not just so that we can have things. Adam had everything he needed in the garden. God provided for that for Adam. He didn't work so that he can have provision. But God created everything for six days to provide for Adam already. But the work he gave to Adam is really for him to reflect his own image, the productivity that God has, and to find his purpose in worshiping him. And I want to end with this scripture. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all time, everybody say all time, you may abound in every good work. Everybody say good work. My prayer for us is that God will abound in every good work that we do in our lives. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.